On Take the Lead, we've covered a lot of sales trends, digital transformation, and challenges for international teams. This episode, we're looking at the transformational experience that the customer has, the discipline, and the journey of customer success. You want to show that this isn't just a sales company. This is a company that's here to deliver value to your customers. And therefore, the value doesn't stop at all when you make the sale. In fact, there's no value at the point of sale, right? You know, that's the beginning. Welcome to Take the Lead, a podcast from LinkedIn Sales Solutions. I'm Alana Britton, Head of Enterprise here at LinkedIn Sales Solutions Australia and New Zealand. Joining me on this episode to co-host is Abe Singh, Head of LinkedIn Sales Solutions India. Abe, so thrilled to be co-hosting this with you and learning from your perspective on this incredibly important topic. Welcome. Thanks, Alana, for the introduction. I'm really, really excited to be here today. Amazing. This episode, the focus is on customer success specifically with a focus on that human interaction side, so the function that customer success plays. In particular, three areas applicable to, to this topic, the evolution of the customer journey, putting buyers first, digital tools and how they supercharge uh, sales and customer success enablement, and what's next in the evolution of customer success. Ave, what's one significant change you've seen personally in customer experience and customer success over the last 12 months? Uh, it's, it's an old saying, what gets measured gets done. And I'm seeing a lot of organizations think about CX as their competitive differentiator. The best way to manage any customer experience is to probably create a good one. It all starts with the organizations being deliberate about making sure that every interaction that they're doing across all channels is seamless and consistency is the key here. I'm seeing clients getting hooked onto social media like never before. Uh, emails, live chat, surveys, and the channels are gonna to continue to grow as we go along. Uh, this will definitely raise the stakes for seamless and connected omnichannel experience. Yeah, it's really interesting that you say that. It, it used to be that there was really only one experience with the customer and that was the experience they had on a face-to-face level or directly when they are corresponding or interacting with a with a person at an organization now from what from what you're saying i'm hearing that we interact with our customer in so many different ways on so many different channels that omni channel sort of interaction and it needs to be a consistent experience across all of them uh, in order to delight our customers is that correct i agree and we also have to realize that there are enough and more alternatives that are present to every customer that that's going out to buy something. Um, data information like never before has been available to our clients and they form opinions about what they want to buy just by doing a lot of research. Buying decisions is another thing that we've seen. A lot of it is being taken based on referrals and past advocacy. It's never been more important for organizations to leverage their collective network to acquire and grow their customer base. Clearly the success mantra has been your Network is your new net worth. Wherever you are listening to Take the Lead, hit the subscribe button to get new episodes as they're released. Four episodes in the series are available so far, sharing executive level insights into the changing nature of international sales, evolving sales strategies in 2022 and beyond, and an International Women's Day special. Insights shared on Take the Lead come from the data and analytics available to us at LinkedIn to help you make smarter decisions at work. We've included links to more information in the episode notes here 
or search for LinkedIn Sales Solutions on LinkedIn. Anthony Slater leads the customer success management team for DocuSign in Asia Pacific Japan. Anthony, welcome. Thank you for being with us on Take the Lead. Thank you very much, guys. Yeah, great to be here. I was talking to Abe about how excited we are to learn from you as somewhat an expert more broadly in customer experience through your established career in customer success. So we know that sales and customer success converge at times and have also distinct purposes at others. So the intermingling can be quite a juggle from a client or customer perspective. What do you think the differences are between the two functions? You know, it's really funny because I think we would think of them as being quite different disciplines, right, internally. From that inside-out perspective, we have SDRs, we have salespeople, then there's this sort of whole post-sales world. But for a customer's experience, they don't think of it as different, right? They have a relationship with a vendor. They have a relationship with a supplier. They want that to be as seamless as possible. They want the dream that was sold at the beginning by a sales engineer or an MDR to be the value that's delivered six months later after implementation is complete. And when they're considering their renewal, they're considering their tech stack. So I think it's really important for us to have that customer's mind frame when we're looking at our, our customer's journey that in their world, sales and success doesn't mean much, right? They just want to get the outcome. They want to achieve the goals they set out to achieve with the technology that they purchase. So in terms of the differences between them, when I think about customer journeys, often when we draw it out, we have a lot of steps in that pre-sales journey from you know awareness, consideration, the decision, the sale, et cetera. And then post-sale, sometimes I feel like it's a little bit truncated and it's usually a little bit summarized a bit too much into you know maybe just um, onboarding and then renewal or expansion, once again, from a sales point of view. I think it's really important. There's multiple steps that happen post-sale that are absolutely critical uh, to recurring revenue businesses, such as us at DocuSign, such as yourself at LinkedIn. We need to be proving that value and ensuring their success over the long term. Otherwise, they're going to leave. You know, just like with Netflix, if Netflix is not entertaining anymore, you unsubscribe. Well, if you're not getting value from a SaaS company anymore, you're going to leave. So when I think about that post-sales journey, I break it down into a few more steps. So there's obviously that onboarding and implementation phase. There's enablement. And then there's the value and ROI and really making that real and ensuring that we've delivered against the promise of our product and we've delivered against the expectations that were set with the customer during that pre-sales journey. And only then can you talk about retention and advocacy for a client. So many people miss that step of the value and the ROI. Are we delivering against what we promised? I love what you're saying here. Firstly, that one LinkedIn, one DocuSign view that the customer has and then how we juggle on internally our, our own responsibilities and how we interact with that customer to make it seamless that we are acting as one when in fact we have different roles and responsibilities internally within an organization. Love that um, that call out. We all had that situation where you've gone through a sales cycle, you've gone through a sales process, you've explained your business need you know, to somebody, et cetera. And then when the next person comes along, you have to start again from scratch. And that's really frustrating as a customer to have to say, I've already explained this. I've already gone through this. This is why I made the purchase. Why am I having to you know, start from scratch with each person that I meet? And so I know it's obvious, right? But that handover between pre-sales and post-sales, uh, so many companies get it wrong. And I'm not saying we're perfect, but it's something we're working on 
to ensure a smooth as possible transition so that, as you said, the customer thinks of it as, as one vendor, one supplier uh, who understands them and their business uh, versus discrete teams who only concentrate on their own their own KPIs. I think Abe was talking a little bit about that consistency as well across the board being more important in many ways uh, than than anything else in terms of the customer experience. The evolution of the customer journey, uh, this idea of putting buyers first, this customer centricity idea, what's uh, one of the best examples you've seen of this in your line of work? I think it comes back to that idea of think of the customer is going to go through their own journey and we as a vendor or a supplier need to fit into the journey that makes sense for them rather than saying, I have an SD team, I have a sales team, and I have a customer success team, so therefore I'm going to create three miniature journeys and try to sort of piece them together with string. Take the approach of thinking from your customer's point of view, and it actually reminds me of some work that I did many, many moons ago when I worked for a digital consulting agency where we we went into an organization and we said, look, let's just, we understand you have your own internal process for how you move customers through your various teams, but let's go back and speak directly to the customers with a blank piece of paper and ask them. So you could say, for example, with LinkedIn, you could say, okay, what was your first interaction with LinkedIn? How did you first hear about them? All the way back to the marketing communication they saw or the webinar they saw. What was that process like? When you registered for the webinar, was it easy to attend? Did anyone follow up after the webinar? When you spoke to a salesperson, describe that experience to us. What happened next? What happened next? And really lay everything out. And it seems like you're going into too much detail. These little nuggets appear when you go through a process like that. And you you realize, oh, actually, because they didn't fall into X, Y category, no one followed up with them. And they kind of sat around, didn't really know how to proceed. Or because they were spending less than X amount, they sort of got stuck between these two teams and nothing really happened or various things can happen along the way. And, and, and so it's really going through piece by piece, understanding their journey and ideally then through sales and post-sale implementation all the way through to renewal. And you want to do that for customers who are with you still and customers who left. So reaching out to customers that have churned and having that conversation with them. And, you know, we had good success and good response rates from customers willing to share with us the journey because they understood we're trying to get better. We're trying to improve our process. Um, and, you, you know, you, you'll discover some amazing things there that you can say, great, well, some of these are quick wins. Some of these aren't a big effort to change, but they're going to have a big impact. Some of them are bigger, more structural problems. And so, you know, it's not going to be a, a we're not going to fix it this quarter, but it's something we can uh, be aware of as we're, as we're building our go-to-market going forward. It's an incredible exercise to do that. It sounds like a very manual sort of approach there. I wonder whether we, when we're sort of talking later on about the technology enabling piece of being able to capture those experiences, what that does in terms of the customer journey with us. It just reminded me of the age of agility report that LinkedIn released uh, recently that two in three buyers have either already completed independent research or determined that a vendor could be relevant to them before even making contact. So they have an interaction with a brand before they even get on the radar of someone in sales or someone in customer success. Does that uh, expectation in terms of research on their end need to be matched by research and uh, and and interest on our end in terms of what they're doing? Do we need to know more about them? when they first engage with us, just like they've learned about us before uh, we engage with them? You know, I think gone are the days, obviously, where 
you know, somebody would walk into a car dealership and say, so what do you guys sell here? And just be taken on a path by a salesperson to, to purchase their vehicle. They're much more likely, and I know when I was purchasing a car, I'd already done all my research, watched all the videos. I knew almost as much information as, almost as much I felt like as the, uh, as the car salesperson. But I went in because I hadn't test driven it and I hadn't seen certain things in the flesh. So there were certain needs that I had. But when I arrived into the dealership, I already had a clear sense of what I needed to know, right? But the dealer obviously had their own sales process. And I was there with my wife and he said, so tell me a little bit about your lifestyle. Like, what do you, what do you guys like to do on the weekend? Obviously, this had been part of his sales training to try to match us to the right car. I'd already ruled out, you know, 99% of the cars in the show. I knew exactly what I wanted. And so it was frustrating to have to go through this funneled process that the salesperson had been directing me down to tick whatever box they'd been asked to tick. Um, and I think if he'd been a little bit more higher EQ and a bit more understanding of, you know, my body language and how I was answering the questions and what I was sort of saying, he would have said, okay, I can hear, I can see you just here for this car. I'm going to take you straight to it. Let's have a look. I'll answer your questions first. Get that out of the way. And then maybe once I've satisfied that need, I might be open to talking about some of the other models that are available, but I, I'm, I'm here for a specific purpose. And so that's, you know, should be easy in a, in a person to person, one to one interaction, although it wasn't for this car salesperson, but it should be. Uh, it's much more difficult in a digital environment to do that. When someone comes to your website, you don't know why they're coming to your website. Is it the 10th time they've come to the website and they're just here to double check one customer quote? Or are they've never heard of your company before and they're at that really early consideration stage? So, you know, this isn't my area of expertise, but there, there are, you know, lead scoring tools and other ways that you can tailor your website and tailor your content depending on your audience. Um, but you, from a customer success viewpoint, which is more obviously my area, um, we do know a lot about customers. We know what features are they using? What are they not using? How many of their licenses are they using versus what they're not? How far away from renewal, et cetera, what industry they're in, their usage to date. But so much of that information doesn't get used. In the, in the digital or custom, uh, customized customer success communications and uh, interactions we have with them. Now, we're getting better and better at this at DocuSign, um, which is great to see. You know, we understand what a customer is not using, where they're at in their life cycle. We have a trigger that will, you know, email them a link to a webinar or even offer one on one sort of coaching from an expert to help them overcome a certain hurdle that we've seen in terms of their customer journey. Uh, but it takes effort and it's difficult. And I understand a lot of companies don't have the resources to do it, but I, th I think it is worth the investment. I love the point that you made about going back to our clients at the time of uh, engaging with them post-sales and taking them through the journey of how they ended up buying the product. I think a lot of sales decisions are taken based on emotional reasons rather than just the logic behind it. And making them relive, relive some of those moments is what makes a great experience. What we have also experienced in, in our business is the first 30 to 60 days of any engagement that we do with our clients is going to make the difference between whether they stay with us for a longer period of time or not. Uh, wanted to hear some bits uh, from you and based on your experience, uh, have you seen that in DocuSign as well, plus other organizations that you've worked with? Absolutely. Yeah. Look, that, that onboarding experience and that time to value, you know, you've made a big investment. That is the time to strike. The executive sponsors engaged. They've signed off the budget. They've just come off the back of what was probably a pretty intensive sales process where they were getting a lot of attention from the vendor. You know, the, the sales engineers were in there, AEs were in there, executives were in there, the deals closed, everyone's hyped up. If you don't strike while the iron's hot there, 
the propensity to churn increases dramatically. And we've, I've seen that in various companies I've worked in. We look back at once the company's churned, often there's that post-mortem, and we look at their life cycle, their usage over the, say, the 12-month contract. We say it took them four months to get started. Well, that's a third of their time was gone straight away. So that's a third of the potential value that we could have added was just straight up gone. And so you've lost four months of momentum. You've lost possibly the the key contacts that were so eager and so keen. They've moved on to their next initiative. It's a real shame when you see that happen. So having a clear and a well-defined onboarding experience is critical. We need to get a customer using the product within the first 30 days, 60 days, depending on the, the complexity of the product. Uh, and it's absolutely critical. You know, that, that, that momentum feeds itself. And that leads me to the next question as well, which came to my mind was, how early do you think a customer success team could actually come in the sales cycle? Uh, can, can they come actually before the sale has been made? So that's just not a post-sales activity? So look, I am a big fan of having customer success teams introduced in the pre-sales cycle. I think it does a few things. It, it shows to the client that it's not just a sole AE selling the dream and then they're going to be left alone. It's that we have a team here to support and to make things happen for you. The only complexity, depending on how your sales contracts are set up, is there's the risk of a side letter. So if you're, if you're promising you know, support post-sale that is sort of quote-unquote free or unpaid or uncontracted, um, and they purchase a product under the expectation they're going to have complete access to this customer success professional, but then they don't get what they thought they wanted. Got to be a little bit careful there. But look, to your broader point, I think you want to show that this isn't a, just a sales company. This is a company that's here to deliver value to your customers. And therefore, the value doesn't stop at all when you make the sale. In fact, there's no value at the point of sale, right? You know, that's the beginning. So you want to show that, that you're going to be holding their hand from sale through to value and advocacy. I'd love to explore that customer success piece on the scale versus the top one or 2% and you have to manage your strategic engagement with your scaled engagement to by and large the majority of your customer base. Yeah, look, absolutely. I mean, for for a lot of companies, you know, maybe the top 5% of customers in terms of numbers, might represent 40% of the revenue or 50% of the revenue. So you always you have this long tail. And customer success organizations around the world, this is the, the challenge they face. We can't hire unlimited, high-paid customer success managers to reach out to every single customer one-on-one and guide them through the process. We have to find ways to scale. Um, and that's a challenge. There are ways to do it, though, that I think take the best bits of that human touch and they integrate it with tech touch or digital or at scale touch points so that the customer feels supported and um, assisted throughout that whole journey. So for example, there are some things that can work really well with a pure sort of tech touch, right? So an email, once you've joined onto the, the platform, welcoming you to the platform, introducing you to some success materials, webinars, training, tip sheets, how to get started, um, a link to a microsite that guides you through, you know, how to get started with LinkedIn or how to get started with DocuSign. We have success.docusign.com really guides a customer through the journey, what you should do and how you should do it. They can always refer back to that. That works great for scale. Then you've got the next tier, which is regionalized webinars, regionalized Q&A sessions that they can join, where they can join. There's a real human, but it's still at scale. You've still got 30, 40, 50 people joining, but there's a real human answering real life questions. 
The next tier up from that is trigger-based human outreach. So if you haven't got the capacity to have every single customer receive a phone call from a customer success manager, you can do it based on triggers. So for example, if a customer's raised five support tickets within a, within a certain amount of time, that could trigger and a customer success manager goes in, looks at the support tickets that were raised, looks at the response from the support organization. If they think it wasn't really getting remedied or you think possibly there's still some frustration from the customer, there could be outreach at that point and say, hey, I just noticed you'd raised a few tickets. Just wanted to double check. Did everything get crossed off there? So that's a, a smart, scaled way of reaching out to a potential customer who's experiencing an issue before they have to proactively escalate it via their AE or account manager. You made a very interesting point around uh, having a tech touch as well as a human touch. Could you also talk to us a little bit about, especially when you're trying to scale support for the long tail, about taking into consideration the cultural nuances that come into play. Different regions look at the on-site support differently. They look at the scale support differently. How best can you help uh, address some of the cultural nuances when looking at scaling out the support? We have a lot of countries a lot of languages, and we're generally a lot smaller than North America and EMEA markets. So there's there's not an easy answer, unfortunately. But there's certain must-haves in any... If you're selling into a country in a certain language, there's certain must-haves you have in order to be able to support in that language in that country. And I'd say that if you're not at the point that you have some of the basics in place or you can afford to resource some of those basics, it may be too early to sell in. And you have to make that hard decision of not selling to that customer maybe in the Philippines or in Vietnam. The takeaway is that customers know more, they expect more, that momentum after a sale is is critical to retaining them and delighting them. The, the value extraction really starts post-sale and customer success is critical to that and that really does lead into low churn rates and being able to have those customers be loyal for years to come. Um, having a great experience as well in terms of whether you are a one-to-one -one mapping a strategic customer as well as whether you're a scaled customer, some sort of consistency across the board or a, a level of experience that is high regardless of what bucket you sit into or whether you change buckets at times because we know that sometimes customers grow quite quickly and they can go very quickly from a scaled engagement to a one-to-one -one, and we want to make sure that that is of a, of a great standing and a great level and then Albe rightly sort of putting in the cultural adaptations and the cultural sort of nuances of APAC and how challenging that can be, um, how difficult it is to address that, both from a sales and a customer success um, point of view. I think what the takeout of this, though, uh, or the theme that threads it all through is kind of what uh, our global head of sales, Alyssa Merwin Henderson, VP of global sales, said, which is that for us in these kind of uh, functions like sales and customer success, there is no choice but to deliver value at every step of the buying process and beyond. And I think that's really where the marriage of our of the two disciplines come together. Our second topic in this episode is digital tools and how they supercharge the experience that the customers are facing. Uh, you talked about uh, triggers and how that helps in scaling some of the technology solutions that you have and how do you help support your customers when you're looking at the long tail. Uh, 
definitely in India, we are seeing a lot of technology being used like never before. We have been an IT exporter and the backbone of IT for a lot of countries uh, uh, here in India. Our mobile penetration in the country has grown significantly and it's become a mobile first market. Having said that, DocuSign has been an enabler in the field, taking physical, legal contracts and signatures and creating a digital tool that's taken a lot of time and friction out of executing contracts. But how do you see DocuSign working with digital tools across the customer journey? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thank you. And look, it's, it's interesting you mentioned that with, with being a mobile first country. And DocuSign, traditionally, we would be sending contracts to people via an email address. But as you may know, email is maybe a little bit passe. It's, uh, you know, some, some people don't use email as much as they use their mobile phone. So we were happy to launch uh, fairly recently SMS delivery. So you don't need an email address. You can receive a contract straight through based on an SMS to your phone and you can sign from the phone wherever you are. So a lot of our customers in, in mining or in other, other countries where, um, you know, having access to a PC or laptop uh, for your email isn't, you know, isn't the done thing. Um, you can deliver an envelope via SMS, view it on your phone, sign it in seconds and be, and be gone. And obviously in the remote working, um, you know, environment, that's been massive for a lot of our customers. But we put over the top of that our analytics team to create metrics and scores that we say, we know that if a customer's doing certain things in our product, they are less likely to churn, more likely to upsell. So what are those things? You can do a retrospective look back and say, okay, of the customers that churned, what, how did they use a the product? Of the customers who renewed flat, what were they doing? And those that upsell, what were they doing? And you'll start to see some trends and you'll start to see that generally pretty obvious things. Are they using their product? Are they using everything that they purchased? Are they sent out the licenses to end users, et cetera? But you can come up with a metric that gives you um, some guideposts of this is what we should be aiming towards. But then you need to get that in front of people's faces so that they're aware of it and they're keeping track of it. On that topic... How do you balance the amount of data you're capturing in terms of adoption or utilization and reconcile it with what the customer success manager might be saying, which is the polar opposite message um, from a customer lens? So, for example, the utilization is low on, on your end, but the customer success manager is saying the client is quite satisfied and happy on theirs. What, to what extent do you give weight to the data or the technology and to what extent do you give weight to the human who's interacting with the customer? Yeah, we use two scores at DocuSign to try to balance that. So we have the, the pure data, quantitative data that coming out of our databases of usage of the platform. It's got lots of different stories within there and is definitely important, but we overlay that with a sentiment score. Now, the sentiment score is a score out of 100, but it's not just a case of how do you feel, finger in the air, there are 70 out of 100 or there are 50 out of 100. We have a, a way of structuring the sentiment scoring. So we think, does the customer have a plan to use what they've purchased? We have points associated with that. The strength of the executive relationship. So we actually talk about it. If you were to email the exec sponsor of this company, would they respond immediately within the day, within the week, within the month or never? And there's different scores associated with that. Does the company have a governance center of excellence structure in place? However, I mean, at the end of the day, if a customer has, for example, bought a hundred, you know, licenses off you and they're using 20 of them, it doesn't really matter how happy they say they are. They're using 20% of what they purchased. And if you've got a model where they can churn 80 of those hundred licenses when it comes to renewal, 
you, you've got to have a pretty clear sense of what you're doing there. Was it oversold? Is there, is there any chance that we can have them using more of what they purchase? We can get them more value. But the other thing that I think is important just in, in general when talking with, with your customers is, you know, usage is usage. So if you say you've used, you know, 80 of your 100 licenses, okay, but what does that really mean? Well, I think if you can talk about the value that you've delivered with those 80, it starts to move away from just a pure numbers game of how many things did I send or how many licenses did I use into the dollars saved, the time saved, whatever it is that your product delivers to your customers. Yeah, there's definitely been an evolution. I think we can probably talk about this in our next section as well on that utilization or data piece and what that means to value-based conversations and how you engage with the customer strategically and what that means for their business and what they're trying to achieve within their business. I'm curious around this digital sort of first mentality of the generation we're selling to now, uh, which is, you know, a lot of the millennials are moving into decision-making roles. We've got uh, Gen Z, which are digital natives, and their preference for digital interaction from a customer success lens when you're enabling your own team. Did you have to think about how you upskill them in digital interaction rather than face-to-face interaction or even you know, Zoom video interaction? And is it, has there been a change there? Yeah, it's really interesting. I think our customers that we are selling to at the moment are probably on that cusp where they still do appreciate the phone call, the meeting, the Zoom. Obviously, in-person hasn't been happening nearly as much, but now that it is starting to creep back into the norm, uh, we're finding huge value there. I was at a client event last night and it was super valuable to be able to, you know, have a conversation, have a have a beer with uh, with with clients, and sort of build that relationship. So we're definitely not you know moving on from that. But I think to your point, customers expect the right information to be available whenever they want it digitally. Customers aren't just comparing us against you know other IT vendors or other e-sign vendors. They're comparing us against any other interaction they're having with any other service. If they had a really good experience with uber and how easy it was to you know book a taxi uh, they're comparing how easy it is to book something with your service and if you make them phone up a number and leave a voicemail message and hopefully get a call back they're like why, why can't i just book this on the app in the moment i'm thinking of it why do i have to go through all these steps so uh, so i think you're right people are ex- just expecting that digital first easy to use methodology of interacting with companies so we need to meet them where they're at It all adds to the customer experience, doesn't it? And I think you kind of touched on that immediacy that is expected now with the generations coming through uh, that we've kind of been primed to expect from the consumer world. It's bleeding into the business world as well. And that personalization piece too, know me really well, uh, know what I'm doing and add value based upon what you know about me personally so that, you know, I further my own cause within my organization or my own roles and responsibilities within my job. Anthony brought up a very interesting point around managing customer expectations and setting it right uh, because that I think has changed in the digital first world. Uh, One nuance that I've also noticed in the Indian market uh, based on the conversation that I've had with a lot of customers is when you go digital first and you try and open up omni channels for for engagement, uh, a lot of employees in the organizations who are supposed to be doing that outreach are not fully equipped and trained and are not using some of those channels themselves. And that kind of becomes a disjoint messaging when you look at the customer. Uh, he's 
he's being told that you're being digitally transformed you you're going to definitely get all the services but the employees themselves are not using any of those services themselves and that has become more of a change management issue that we are trying to grapple with with a lot of customers that I'm speaking to in India uh Anthony if you could just think and tell me if that's something that's playing out uh, within DocuSign or or in the industry that you're talking to right now if if linkedin's talking to me about the importance of a warm introduction to somebody in a sales process that i'm getting cold emails or i'm getting spam phone calls you know i'm I, there's a disconnect there same with docusign i mean obviously we use docusign internally to you know massively all of our contracts and things are as well that is a must have we we need to provide the experience to our customers that that they want and it's it's worth the investment i mean a lot of banks we see in in Australia are competing now on how digital first they are because they're realizing it actually matters to customers. I mean, I've chosen banks based on that sort of thing. I'm like, I, I know that their app is really good. I know that they've got lots of great digital tools. I want to make that investment because I trust they're going to be on the cutting edge of technology, and that's that's what I'm looking for. Now, that may be digital, that may be human, but it has to be smooth and succinct and 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 fitting for your customers. the experiences that customers are wanting to see and feel is uh, to be as invisible as possible and the reason i say invisible is because most of the services that we use today in our daily lives we don't necessarily go back to the organizations that are providing those services we make them as part of our regular lifestyle on a day to day basis and that's the experience that uh, works the best for our clients i think that's what one thing that a lot of companies are striving towards whether you take Uber you take Paytm in India you which is a, a UPI payment gateway or you take Netflix these are services that you automatically will use irrespective of which organization uh, support you're getting or not because the service is so seamless and so smooth the ideal would be that you don't need customer success team right that the, the product is easy to use clients get it and off they go for a lot of products you mentioned Netflix and others that is already the case for the Apple iPhone you know no one calls you to explain how to use your iPhone but they do have support if you run into problems you know as you get more complex enterprise level software that's really integrating with multiple systems and APIs and you don't think about how the water comes out of the tap you just know that it does and it's reliable and it's smooth and it's easy so you know i think customer success one of the phrases i've heard for that before is human duct tape right so we're there to fix problems and overcome issues and while while the permanent solution or the or the products catching up so we're there to make sure that customers are getting that value um but then hopefully we can step away and the customer continues to thrive um without us and i think that's probably a great segue into our third topic what is the future of customer success you've kind of talked about if i was to summarize that augmenting a process so there is a huge focus i think on customer success now to work with your clients to make sure that it's not an additional tool it's not an additional service it's something that augments into their current process or what they are currently doing so that it seamlessly integrates much like netflix does in our life or using mobile banking as an example i would love to get your view anthony on the progression of customer success where do you think the future is heading because i have a couple of ideas that pop into my mind that I can share with you first and I would love to hear your thoughts. One of them is that the tradition behind this function I think was probably entrenched in training first and foremost and that it is really changed since it was first introduced to move away from that training model to more of a 
strategic engagement or a a value-based engagement. So in our instance, it's buyer-first selling, digital selling, and being able to strategically engage at even at a C-level on what they're trying to do and how we fit into that. That's one trend. The other is this, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this one, change management, bringing a client through the change management curve and what customer successes role in that. There are two that spring to my mind. What else do you see in terms of the future of customer success? You know, I think the future of customer success depends on where you're at at the moment. So as you mentioned, some organizations, they think of customer success as customer support, break fix, like they have a support issue, a customer success team will fix it. Other people think of customer success as the renewals team. Customer success, can you please sign this contract, you know, and they're sort of focused on that because they need it to be revenue generating. Um, others are at the point that LinkedIn used to be at a few years ago, which was focused on training and enablement. And that's a piece, right? That's a piece of change management, but it's just one piece. And it's a piece that should be able to scale and uh, and be done digitally. It doesn't need a human, you know, training every end user. Um, so I think you, you hit the nail on the head in terms of that change management piece. And this is the that this is where humans are usually required. If you're if you're training, if you've got a new bank and they're moving from a paper-based home loan process to a digital e-signature home loan process, there's huge savings and customer experience gains to be had. You've got a whole lot of brokers around the whole country. They're going to have questions. They're going to have issues. They're going to need help, right? We're not going to go and train them all individually. We have ways of doing that at scale, but we need to have a center of excellence set up who have got some of these core pillars in place. They've got a communication structure that they've planned out. How are you communicating to the brokers that this is changing, that this is coming? How are you handling support queries that come in? How are you measuring the usage and adoption? What goals have you set? How quickly do you want to make this transition? What do you think are going to be the internal barriers that you're going to face? Who else do we need to get the buy-in from? So there's these certain elements that, that as customer success managers, we can help the customer set up and we can say, look, which is true, right? I agree that sort of consultant, customer success planning. So what do we want to achieve by when? What are the key elements we need to have in place? What's our North Star? Are we having regular updates with executives from your side so that they're on the journey as well? That sort of consultative approach is um, is is critical. And for a lot of companies, that is the future because they're, they're not there yet. Um, but I'd say if you went a step further than that, again, the other area that companies, different companies do a, a better and worse job at is the integration of the customer success and the product. As I mentioned earlier, the, the perfect situation would be you don't need customer success. The, the, the product is so easy to use um, that it just does what it needs to do. It's not the reality for a lot of companies, but it, that is something that you're, you're striving towards. Well, a way to get there is to have that feedback and that cohesiveness between product and customer success so that feedback loops are established. We can integrate some of what we're having to do manually one-on-one into the product so it doesn't even become a problem we don't, that we have to fix later on. Same with the support organization. Usually they, they do have a good feedback loop in terms of, you know, there's a bug that's been raised, but I think customer success team as well should be having that integration as well. And, and looking at how, you know, guided onboarding within the product, for example, is, is an obvious one. Abe, I'd love to hear your thoughts on where you think the customer success function is heading. I definitely think the customer success function is eventually going to be part of the extended team of the client, especially in the SaaS world. Uh, your 
sales cycle does not end with you selling it ends with you wanting to renew and new customer acquisition is going to be definitely an expensive proposition uh, therefore making sure that you retain your clients making sure that you are part of their extended team making sure that you are not just providing value at every interaction but making sure that they relive those moments that took them to this decision of buying and investing in your product is what customer success to me is uh, going to look like in the future i definitely see customer success playing a huge huge role when it comes to upselling in an account and making sure that the revenue is is impacted positively internally within linkedin we we definitely use customer success to provide us health check of how my future business is going to look like it is a very good indicator mm that commerciality expectation on the customer success manager these days is also something that i feel is emerging we're asking the team to have a really broad understanding of business so elevating their business acumen but also to be alerted to when there are cross sell upsell opportunities and then feed that back to a relationship manager an account manager you know an ae um, probably less so unless it's a pilot but definitely on the relationship management side of things anthony is that something that you've also noticed within the uh, your role at docusign and your team our first focus is adoption and usage of the product because we know that correlates to value right in order to get value from our product you need to use our product so that's our primary focus but we're also aware of opportunities as you said for expansion new use cases in our case other departments that could be using docusign they might be using it for home loans but what about business loans what about hr onboarding you know as they start to get a taste of the value that docusign can provide we're aware of what else is out there but and we're also aware of potential risks you know is this customer maybe thinking that they don't want to use docusign as much as they thought and maybe they'll be leaving we seem to be aware of the customer condition in those moments um however i don't want to confuse my csms with sales people and i don't want my clients to confuse them either i mean we know that usage of the product does lead to upsell and it does lead to renewal because they're getting value so we our intentions are pure and are good and i just what i've pushed back on is the idea of um you know giving a quota to a csm and saying you need to get this amount of upsell because you just don't know how someone's going to interpret that and they may start asking certain questions to the customer that then we're not seen as that trusted advisor we're seen as another person with another sales hat if you need more sales people get more sales people but if you want to focus on usage and adoption have a dedicated team that's that's pure and focused on that it's a more of an organic process isn't it around value value um realization and i think it's interesting both functions still really lead to growth exactly we're trying to get to the same outcome right i yeah. mean and 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 if you if you have a product that's good and we we absolutely do it docusign you absolutely do it linkedin then the way to sell more is for them to use more because they'll they enjoy it it's giving them value it's achieving their business goals they go great well let's keep going let's let's roll this out further and wider so that's one way of doing it the other way is is what a traditional you know ae or rm would do with 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 you know obviously outreach to other business departments and users etc so we're trying to get the same thing we're coming from two different angles but i think you do need both angles and so um i think it's a short a short term strategy to say right csms for this quarter i need you to bring in this upsell uh, you might get it that quarter 
and a little bit the quarter after, but I think eventually you start to just have a, a sales only team. And if you know, I think one thing we've seen from successful SaaS companies is a customer focus and a customer value focus is really the way to long-term success. Mm. And I'm probably going to get in trouble for mentioning this uh, because we don't have the stat on hand, but I definitely know that in general, customer success managers are a lot more connected to our clients because they're trusted uh, to a greater extent. Uh, there is that sense that they're always helping, that they are trying to realize value. And maybe there's not so much of a sense of that in sales. We're trying to change that perception. Uh, but that is why they're so valuable because, you know, when you are stuck with an account or when things are going a little bit south on the sales side, the customer success manager can be really the gateway for you to open up relationships into other people um, if done in, in the correct manner without compromising their integrity of their role and what they're really what they're really there to do. I think uh, one of the other things that works really, really well for uh, most of our clients who've had a very good experience with customer success is how do you build advocacy, which can then be tied up with customer success working very closely and in hand with marketing to to create advocacy in the market when you're trying to acquire new clients. And uh, it definitely is, is a function that uh, can add a lot of value that we are seeing in including in LinkedIn where we have a lot of uh, customer success team members working with the marketing teams to build that advocacy which then helps us to acquire new clients at a much faster rate. Absolutely and I think that is the way that if you were to put a more focused commercial lens on a CSM you could say advocacy and customer success stories or customer testimonials would be a way that you could measure them and say you know, I want a customer success story from at least 30% of the accounts in your book, for example. Now, we know that will help us lead to sales in the future, but it's not directly. It's, it's more about let's showcase the value together that you've achieved here. Well, the advocacy kind of shows that you're moving away from servicing a client to truly partnering with them and co-creating some value with them. And so I definitely think that's a trend that we'll probably see more in the future than less. One thing that I, that I probably would end on here is customer success has been given lip service a lot by, by some organizations in the past. Yeah, we are customer obsessed. We are customer focused, but when push comes to shove and they're behind on their quarterly number, all bets are off, move to the side. We've just got to close these deals. And I, it's about finding that balance between the short-term sales goals that you may have as an organization versus the long-term retention and customer goals that you have. If you are in a recurring revenue business such as SaaS, you have to be thinking long-term, not just about this quarter's numbers. It's absolutely critical. When recurring revenue, just like with Netflix or anything else, you need to be providing value ongoing, month on month, week on week, in order to keep that customer. If a customer leaves after 12 months, you may as well not have signed them. You've, you've lost money by the time you've paid the commissions to everyone and got them set up. So you need a customer to stay for a certain period of time, depending on the business, but usually it's it's about two, two and a bit years before it's worth even having the customer. So I think more and more business leaders are, are understanding that and therefore are really making customer success a true core part of their DNA and what they do. Not just a, yeah, 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 we have to have customer success to help train customers. It's, it's a lot more than that. And so I think that the future of customer success is I'm hoping at least, because obviously I'm in this industry, is it's going to be a more and more core part of the strategy and then go to market for all sorts of organizations rather than, yeah, like I said, something that's tacked on at the end. 
We certainly see it that way at LinkedIn. And I know that a lot of our clients are exemplifying that now as well, because we know that loyalty is critical to profitability. But more importantly, we know that, you know, our customers and clients are really the whole reason that we are here. The business exists and and they're our path to growth in the future as well. And we get a lot of value from that interaction on its own. I can kind of completely agree with Anthony and I, I know having a chat with some of folks internally within LinkedIn, specifically true on the SaaS world, you become profitable in this business only if you start renewing and you keep the customer for at least two plus years. If they leave before that, it's definitely not a good investment that you're doing. You're not acquiring the right set of clients. You're not being a good attention to them. And therefore, uh, it hampers your business. It hampers your brand in the market as well. So being very, very diligent about who you're acquiring and who do you want to retain for a longer period of time is what's going to make you sustain in the market for the longer play that we're talking about. Well, Anthony, thank you so much for joining us on this episode. I know that Abe and I learned a lot about the customer success function, the tools that you utilize, the mentality that you have, where it's heading as a function and where you want it to be. And I just want to thank you for your insights that you brought today. Yeah, thank you, guys. Absolutely. No pleasure to be a part of it. We started off with the realization that the sale once sold uh, is not really enough to retain a customer. The real work begins uh, on the other side of that sale and custom success plays a critical role in realization of value and what that feeds into in terms of retention and loyalty and the future value of that of that client to us. Uh, I think one of the other things that came absolutely clear in this conversation was that a big part of creating that experience that we talked about is about managing and managing and setting those expectations. And then we also talked about the idea of balancing data and investing in tools and technology, balancing the data side of things with the human side of things. So being able to get uh, feedback from how our customers are utilizing our products and services and from a data sort of point of view, but also balancing that with what we're hearing on the ground from our field and how that feeds into personalization. And businesses that harness the potential of AI in the future to predict customers and not just automate the needs will delight the customers much more and stay ahead of the cycle. At LinkedIn, uh, we definitely put a lot of work uh, in our products to, to kind of create the buyer intent and make sure that we are able to give the right information at the right time to the sellers. And as we say, timing is everything in sales. And lastly, we talked, uh, and probably most interestingly for me, was where is customer success heading as a function? We talked about the product feedback loop um, and being able to fuel what we do in customer success going forward as a result of that. And that loyalty once lost uh, is not easily recaptured. So hopefully we're moving away from uh, lip service around customer centricity and more to a model where the customer success function is seen as a critical investment uh, in our companies to be able to uh, demonstrate value to our customers and retain them for the long term. Insights on Take the Lead come from the data and analytics available to us on LinkedIn to help you make smarter decisions at work. Wherever you are listening to Take the Lead, hit subscribe to get new episodes as and when they are released. Check out the episode notes for links to studies and information covered in this episode. I'm Alana Britton. I'm Abhay Singh. 
Thanks for listening to Take the Lead from LinkedIn Sales Solutions.